Okay, there we go. We'll, or I can do a I can do a handheld. Can I just use Brian's handheld mic? Or yep. okay, there we go. This thing on now. Uh, I'll, I'll just hold it. Okay. Thanks, Brian. Okay. Technical difficulties. Sorry about that. We human beings want our lives to feel like they mean something. We want to feel like we have a purpose in life. We there's something inside every single one of us that feels like we have a purpose. Even people who don't know God feel like they're wasting their lives away if, if they're not living for a purpose. Perhaps two of the most important questions that we could ask in life are, who am I and why am I here? That who am I question gets at creation. I'm switch mics here. Okay. Testing, testing. Testing. There we go. Okay. We want to feel like our lives mean something. So that, that first question, who am I, gets at the, the creation question. Was I created by anybody? And then that second question, why am I here, it gets at purpose. Do we have a purpose in life? Well, to answer those questions, I would like to show you a couple of verses from the book of Colossians. Last week we finished a four-week series where we were looking at Colossians chapter 3. And each week as I was preparing those sermons... I was reading and rereading the book of Colossians, and there were some other verses that stood out to me, and I want to share with you some of those verses today. There's two verses from chapter 1 that I want to share with you today. The first one is Colossians 1.16. I'm going to read that verse for you, and just to clarify, the him in this verse is Jesus. That's clear from the context of verses 13 through 20. So Colossians 1.16 says, For by him all things were made, created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. In this verse, we learn three things about creation as shown by the three prepositions in there. So a little bit of grammar here. Remember the prepositions, things like in, by, through, towards. There's three of them here, and they're translated differently in your different English versions, but the first one is right at the beginning there. It says, for by him... Or you could also translate that in him. That, that first one tells us that things were created by Jesus. The second one at the end of the verse where it says all things were created by him, that could also be translated as through him. These first two are basically getting at the same idea, that this universe came into existence through Jesus Christ. We were created by him. And then the last preposition is translated well there, all things were created by him and for him. And that last one gets at our purpose there. Now remember Genesis 1, creation. Remember the plurality that we saw in some of those verses? For example, God says, let us make man in our image. Who is he talking to? Did he have a, a mouse in his pocket? No, they, that wasn't the case. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were all active in creation. Remember it, early on in Genesis 1 it said the spirit was hovering over the waters. The Bible is very clear actually and, and this may be something that, that you didn't know but it wasn't just God the Father who created. All three members of the Trinity were active in creation. John 1.3 says it explicitly. It says through him, through Jesus that is, all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. So to say as it does in Colossians 1.16 then that all things were created in him or by him or through him 
is to say that all of God's creative, creative work took place in and through Jesus Christ. The theologian F.F. F. Bruce said that Jesus is the divine agent of creation. So he made us. We humans look for meaning and fulfillment and purpose in our lives. We will only find that if we understand who we were created by. It's like the toaster analogy. A toaster is created to do specific things. But if you try to use it for any other purpose, you'll get frustrated. Now, if you try to use it to toast bread, you might be very well pleased. But you have to use it for what it was created for. And like I said to the kids as well in the children's sermon, we have been given an instruction manual by our Creator. And I believe that. I believe that with all my heart that God Himself gave us His Word so that we could understand who we are and how we are supposed to live our lives. The fact is that all things, including us, were created by Him and for Him. So I think that Colossians 1.16 should really be a go-to verse for us in some respects. I was talking to a, a philosophy guy once and he was trying to figure out um, all these philosophical questions on one hand but trying to figure out how to take the Bible and, and answer some of those questions. And I said, boy, you should look at Colossians 1.16. All things were created by him and for him. And I was trying to convince that guy that it should be kind of a life verse for him and I started thinking about, well, that's a good one for me too. It's, it's a good one for all of us. All things were created by him and for him. So that helps us get our footing. That's who we were created for, what we were created for. But what does it mean? Well, I want to flesh that out a little bit for you as we look at the other verse in Colossians 1 that I wanted to bring to your attention. Colossians 1.6 says, All over the world this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. A little bit of context here. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the people of Colossae because they had both heard and received the gospel message. He said such things to them as, you had faith. That word faith means to believe. They had heard the gospel which, called Paul, which, which Paul called the message of truth, the word of truth. And it's about the gospel. The gospel, simply put, is the message of Jesus Christ. So I want to give you my big idea for today. Our purpose in life has to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, you want to know what you were made for? You want to know your purpose? Your purpose in life has to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We were created by Jesus and for Jesus. In him, we have new lives to live. Many of you are probably familiar with this concept from the French philosopher Blaise Pascal. Uh, the quote is attributed to him as saying that inside every one of us there is a God-shaped hole. But he, he didn't say it exactly like that. What he talked about is that there is an emptiness inside of every single one of us that can only be filled with the infinite God. That, that's what he said. Every single human being on the universe, apart from God, has an emptiness. And we human beings don't like that. We want to fill that with something. So we seek to fill that emptiness sometimes with other things, pleasure or money. But that hole can only be filled by God. 
the fact that we have this longing for a purpose, I believe, points us back to our Creator, and it points us to our purpose. So our purpose in life has to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I now want to show you four things about that purpose from these two verses. So my first point is that our purpose in life is to receive the gospel. Now that might seem pretty obvious at this point, but it's so important that we must not overlook it. You see, medicine does us no good if we don't take it. You know, it would be great news if you had some terrible disease and you go to the doctor and he says, take this pill and you'll get better. That would be great news unless you don't take it. And it's similar for us with the gospel message. It is great news to fix our biggest problem in life. What's the problem? Well, the problem is that every single one of us is a sinner. That we have all offended God. That we have all done things and said things and not done things to offend God. But the good news is that God sent His Son, Jesus Christ. Why? Because God loves us. So the gospel message, which by the way, the word gospel literally means good news. The good news is that Jesus Christ came to save us from our sins. When he died on that cross, he took our sin penalty upon himself. And when he rose from the dead, he proved that he defeated the powers of sin and death and devil and the devil for all time. Now it's a great message, but like great medicine, there's something that we need to do with it. We need to receive this message. In Colossians 1, verses 4 and 5, Paul mentioned that the Colossians had responded by faith. That is, that they believed in the gospel. To believe in the gospel is to give our lives to Jesus. To believe in the gospel is to recognize that we are sinners. We can't hide that before God. We shouldn't try to hide that before God. So to believe in the gospel then means that we receive forgiveness from Jesus Christ. And to believe in the gospel means that we repent of our sins. Sin was the whole problem anyways. So when we receive that forgiveness of sins, what we should then say to God is, God, I'm sorry for those sins. Would you now please strengthen me to turn away from those sins and to turn towards you, to follow you? So to believe in the gospel includes all these things. And if I could just say it simply, to believe in the gospel means to give your life to God. Holding nothing back, you say, God... I'm yours. I was created for this. I give my life to you. And it means we have a new life to live then. The Apostle Paul talked about how we used to walk around in darkness, but now we belong to the Son of God. We cannot understand our purpose in life if we don't understand the gospel message. Everything was created by Jesus and for Jesus. Yet not everyone lives for Jesus. And, and that's the sad, the sad part of this story. Every single person that you meet was created to give their lives to Jesus and to live for him. Yet so many people around this world don't do that. There's a gap there. And the gap has everything to do with receiving or not receiving Jesus Christ. So what is it for you? Have you received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Have you acknowledged your need for forgiveness? Have you pledged your life to him to follow him forever? That's the gospel message. That's the purpose that you were created for now and for the rest of eternity to live with God and for God. Have you done that? Have you given your life to Jesus? If not, 
even now as I'm talking, you can just talk to God. He can hear you and say, Jesus, thank you. God, I want to be forgiven. Please forgive me. You can, you can talk to Jesus in your heart and invite Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior. It's crucial. We have to start with that because that is what we were created for. Now in verse 6, Paul mentioned that the gospel message came to the Colossians. But the good news of the gospel didn't end there. So I want to move on to my second point now. Our purpose in life is to continue to grow in the gospel. It isn't just that the gospel message comes to us, it's that it transforms us. You see, the, the gospel isn't just the good news of going to heaven when you die, although it is that, and praise the Lord that it is that. But did you know that there's more to the story? It's not just this, oh great, you know, 37 years from now, or whenever it is that you might die, that you get to go to heaven. It's that right now you have a new life to live with God. I want to read for you how it's stated in verse 6. All over the world this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace and all its truth. The gospel is powerful. And the powerful impact of the gospel is the power to change your life to cause you to grow, to bear fruit and to grow. That's how it's said here. Bearing fruit and growing, it's two similar concepts that Jesus used. Remember the parable of the soils where Jesus talked about a farmer who went out to scatter some seeds and he said, some fell on the path and the birds ate it up. He said, some fell on the rocks and it, and it sprang up but then it died because it had no root. Some fell on the thorns and it sprang up but the, the thorns and the weeds choked it out. But some seed fell on good soil. And Jesus said of that seed that it bore fruit and that it grew. Agriculturally, it's a simple analogy. So simple that even I can understand it. I, I know like nothing about farming, which is shameful for me because I'm the grandchild of farmers, but I know nothing about farming other than to know you have to put the seeds in the ground. And when a farmer puts seeds in the ground, they expect those seeds to grow. So it's a simple truth spiritually. We are to receive the gospel message, but we don't stop there. We are to grow. We are to bear fruit in that gospel message. Because again, the gospel isn't just about going to heaven when you die. It's also about growing in your faith now. Some theologians, when they hear this verse about bearing fruit and growing, they, they think back to Genesis 1. Remember what God said to Adam and Eve after he had created them? He said that they were to be in charge of the garden. And he also said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. We had a guest speaker at Cornerstone a couple months ago, Jeff Pankratz. Some of you probably remember him. And he said, rightly so, that that verse isn't just about making babies and populating the earth. Uh, although we at Cornerstone seem to be doing pretty good at the, uh, you know, the baby thing here, but um, it's fun to see our nursery filled. But it's more than that. This idea of bearing fruit and growing is about the gospel message going forth and taking root in our lives and in the lives of other people. And as Jeff Pankratz said a couple of months ago, I'll repeat, it's about us being disciples and making disciples, growing in our faith and helping others grow in their faith. You see, God has a wonderful plan to save us and to cause us to grow in the gospel. Remember, a couple of weeks ago we looked at Colossians 3.10 where we saw that God is at work renewing us 
into the image of Jesus Christ? That's God's plan. It's, it's the plan for us and for people all over the world that come to know Jesus and to be transformed into his likeness. That's God's purpose for your life, to become more like Jesus. Not that you'll become God, but that you would look more like Jesus in what you do and say. We are to bear fruit and to grow. Later on in chapter 1, verse 10, Paul prayed for the Colossians that they would bear fruit in every good work and that they would grow in the knowledge of God. That's what we're to do as well, to bear fruit and grow. That's why in Colossians 2, 6, in that benediction verse that we say here every Sunday, that we are commanded to continue to live in him. And if we do, that we will be rooted and built up. It's agricultural analogy again. If we live in Christ, he will cause us to grow. So what's our part in this? We know that God wants to cause us to grow, but do we play any role in this? Well, let me ask it this way. And uh, since I know nothing about farming, I asked Jerry Sinslin this morning if I was on track, and he said I was, so it's a very simple farming analogy. Uh, what does a seed need to grow? L- list off some things for me. Shout them out. What does a seed need to grow? Water. Water. Sun. Soil. Those are the three big ones. We got them. Okay, good. We're not going to get into a biology lesson here, but a seed simply needs water and soil and sun. Now, if a farmer provides those three things, does the farmer make the seed grow? No. God is the one who causes that growth. But as as Jerry was telling me, if you don't plant your seeds, you're done before you've even started. (coughs) So there's this interconnection then between what God does in our lives and what we are supposed to do in joining with him. So if I can now take this analogy of agriculture and apply it spiritually to our lives, there are things that we should be doing to grow in our faith. We don't cause ourselves to grow but we need to be providing the right environment for growth. And the environment for growth that we should be providing, I, I often talk about three things in our environment for growth. Just like soil, seeds need soil, sun, and water, things that we should have to grow in our faith, prayer and the word and fellowship with other Christians. Prayer because it's our connection with God. We talk to him. We listen to him. He changes our hearts. Do you know that? That's one of the great things about prayer. Not just that you pray for a broken bone when you hurt, but that we pray for God to transform our hearts. And then the Word of God. This was so important that that Jesus prayed to the Father, sanctify them, make them holy by the truth. Your Word is truth. As we interact with God's Word, He changes us. He transforms us. So we should be in the regular practice of meeting with God in his word. And then third, fellowship with other Christians. And this is one that people often overlook because it it might feel like we don't need it. It might feel like, well, if I've got God, I've got all I need. Well, in one sense, yes. But in another sense, that same God who is all you need has commanded that we get together and worship together, that we encourage each other, that we spur each other on. You were created to encourage others and to be encouraged by others in your walk with God. So if you want to grow in your faith, think of those three things. Prayer, 
and the word and fellowship. Okay, so the idea here behind my second point is that we are to continue to grow in the gospel. Because it's great news. We're to continue to grow in it. But you know what? This great news of the gospel isn't just for you. It's for every person in the world. So my third point today is that our purpose in life is to share the gospel. To share the gospel. In, in verse 6, Paul mentioned that the gospel was not only bearing fruit and growing in Colossae, but around the world as well. The fact that the gospel causes growth in us is great news. But it, also, it is also great news that is to be spread across the world. Take Paul as an example here. He was so deeply changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ that he gave his life to spreading it. Paul came to know the power of the gospel. Look what he said about the power of the gospel in Romans 1.16. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Paul's heart was that other people would come to know the purpose that they were created for, that they would come to know their creator through the gospel message. Helping others then actually becomes part of our purpose in life. It's kind of an interesting thing. Our, our purpose is to come to know the gospel and to grow in the gospel. But as we do that then, our purpose is actually to help other people know this purpose in life. Think again about the agricultural analogy. And, and this one I, I might be a little bit shaky on here, but I think I got this. You plant a seed and it grows. And that seed grows up to become a plant. What does that plant then do? It spreads its seed so that other plants can grow. That's what we are to be. Remember in the parable of the soils, Jesus talked about that last plant that was planted in good soil. It, it bore fruit and it grew and it produced how much? 30, 60, even 100 times what was planted. Our purpose in life is not only to come to know God, but to help others know God. And for me personally, what I realized in this was that when I started being obedient to God's call in my life to share the gospel message with other people, I actually experienced growth in my life. I think there's something to this. For about four years in my life, I was walking with God. I was reading my Bible. I was praying. I was doing things that good Christians should do. I was going to church. I was part of a Bible study. But I was terrified to share my faith with other people. And some of you maybe can take encouragement from that. That I think that so many of us feel that, that fear of sharing our faith. But you know what happened for me? Almost immediately when I started sharing the gospel with other people... I started growing even more in my faith. Because I think that there was a roadblock in the way. And that since I was not being faithful in that one area, my, my growth was stunted. But when I started sharing my faith, then I personally experienced greater growth. So let's share this gospel message with other people. Now how do we do that? Well, the first step is prayer. We do not do this in our own power. We join with God in what he is already doing. So we pray. We look then as we're praying for doors that God will open. We, we trust that if God does open a door, that he will fill us with the Holy Spirit and give us words to say. So it's God who orchestrates all of this. He opens the doors. He fills us with the Holy Spirit. It's his gospel message. We simply join with him and try to make the most of every opportunity. 
Now we're going to talk more about this next week, so we'll, we'll move on. But for now, I just want to recap a little bit. Our purpose in life, to receive the gospel, that's what we were created for, for relationship with Jesus Christ. And then from there, our purpose in life is to continue to grow in that gospel message. That's what it does. It, it produces fruit in us as we submit our lives to him. And then as that's happening as well, our purpose in life is to share this gospel message with other people. But there's one other thing that I want to point out from these verses today about our purpose in life. It says at the end of verse 16 that we were created for Jesus. We were not only created to come to know him, we were created for him. And my fourth point today is that our purpose in life is to glorify God. To glorify God. Now I realize that the word gospel isn't in my fourth point, it was in my first three points, but I don't always follow a pattern like that. But here, there's a connection. There's a very strong connection here. Because of how good the gospel message is, we are to glorify God or thank him, or praise him, or worship him, or there's a whole bunch of other words that you could use. Really, our whole lives should be lived in thankfulness to God. It's nice to be thanked for something, isn't it? I, I was thinking about that with our building project here. There were a bunch of you that put in a bunch of hours to this building project. Some of you went above and beyond the call of du duty, just giving and giving and giving of yourself and of your time, and, and many of you of your money as well. And I hope for those of you that put in those hours, whether it was hundreds of them or even just a couple of them, I hope that you were thanked. And if not, let this be your official thank you. And I mean that. I'm not just trying to be trite here with that. I am so grateful for all of you who put in time and money and effort into this building project. So thank you for that. You see, it's nice and appropriate to receive thanks when you've done something nice for something. Not that that's the reason that we do these things, to receive thanks, but it is nice. And with God, He has done wonderful things for us. Our response should be to thank Him, to show Him gratitude. And like I said, I hope I've said, there are many ways that we can show gratitude. In fact, I would say that our whole lives should show gratitude to God. But for our purposes today, I want to focus on one specific way that we can glorify God, by praising Him with our mouths. If you were to read the first two chapters of Colossians, you would see in chapter 1, Paul thanking God in verse 3, praying for others to give thanks to God in verse 12, and then in chapter 2, verse 7, he commanded us to overflow with thankfulness. In 118, Paul tells us that Jesus has supremacy over all things. He is worthy of our thanks and praise, and we should give it to him. We should not live for ourselves, but for the one who created us. And what that means then is that we should be finding ways to glorify him and to give him thanks. Now it's ironic. So many people in this world think that they find their purpose in life by doing what they want. Right? We, I think that every one of us has probably felt this at many times in our lives. In fact, I think it's part of the sinful nature in us. It's part of the way that we were born, actually. And remember, we were born being tempted to do wrong things. We were born with a sinful nature that pulls us in that direction. We were born assuming that our purpose in life is to do what we want to do. And that's what we see all around us, all over the world, is people living 
for themselves. But like I said, it's ironic because that's not the way we find purpose in life. A toaster doesn't find its purpose in life by going on a trip to Europe and finding itself. A toaster finds its purpose by toasting bread because that's what it was created for. We were created by Jesus and for Jesus. And a significant part of our purpose in life is to give gratitude and thanks to him. Romans 11.36, speaking about God in general, but it says, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Because of the gospel, we should glorify God. Now how do we do that? Well, one of the best ways to glorify God is to worship Him with your mouth. We preachers have a dangerous job because you think that we're preaching to you, but oftentimes we're preaching to ourselves. And last week I was preaching to myself when I was talking about Colossians 3.16. And there was something that stood out in that verse to me that had never stood out to me before. And it was this idea, it starts off by saying, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And then it, it shows us three ways that we can do that. And one of those three ways was to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And it just kind of dawned on me afresh that one of the ways that we let God's word dwell in us, one of the ways that we continue to teach ourselves about God is by singing. By singing gratitude to God. It actually instructs us about what our life's purpose is. One of my application points last week is that we should become more regular in the practice of singing gratitude to God. Now believe me, I understand that singing can feel awkward. I I maybe know that as, as well as anybody else in here. I grew up feeling very awkward about singing in church. And, and I get told on a somewhat regular basis, I won't say by who, but uh, that maybe my voice isn't, you know, it's maybe okay that my voice isn't microphoned when I'm singing. So. But that's okay. I don't mind. Uh, I can make a joyful noise to the Lord as well. But believe me, I understand that it might feel awkward for you to sing praises to God, but let me encourage you with this. We were created to give glory to God, and one of the ways that we can do that is by singing to Him. So maybe that's a step of growth for some of you. Some of you maybe instead of standing and just mouthing the words can actually sing the words to God. It's just one option. But, but I do want to say there are other ways that we can glorify God with our mouths as well. We can talk with other people about God. We can tell others about God by sharing the gospel. We can thank God in prayer. So there's lots of ways that we can use our mouths to glorify and thank God. But, but one of them is singing as well. And I guess what I'm trying to say is that in general, we were created for Jesus. And one of the things that means is that we should glorify him. He has done wonderful things for us. Let's worship him. I want to conclude my sermon with a quote from a theologian and then just a few comments after it. The theologian is Doug Moo. He's a theologian I've been quoting a lot the last five weeks. and, And the reason for that is simply that He wrote a a really good commentary on the book of Colossians, so I've been reading his commentary. But Doug Moo said this, Christ stands at the beginning of the universe as the one through whom it came into being, and he stands at its end as the goal of the universe. Let me repeat that one for you. Christ stands at the beginning of the universe as the one through whom it came into being, 
and he stands at its end as the goal of the universe. I love that thought, that Christ is the goal of the universe. In Colossians 3.11, we learn that Christ is all and is in all. We are to live our lives because of who Jesus is and because of the gospel message. We are created by him and for him. We were not created to fulfill our own desires. Again, so many people in this world assume that the way to happiness and joy in our lives is to do what we want to do. But you know what? That's not it. We were not created for selfish reasons. We were created to live lives for God. And as we do that, He fills us with a supernatural joy and peace. You will only find your purpose in Christ. You came into existence in, by, and through him. The reason for your existence is for him. And again, going back to the toaster analogy, if you ever wonder what your purpose is in life, you go back to the instruction manual. We've been given an instruction manual. And that manual tells us who we are. We were created by God. And it tells us what our purpose is. We were created for him. But to live with that purpose in mind means that we need to live on purpose. Intentional lives. It doesn't just happen. You won't just wake up one morning and say, oh, huh, I I accidentally lived my life for Christ over the last 40 years. It doesn't happen that way. It happens as we continually give ourselves. I was reading Romans 12 with my family just yesterday, I believe continually offering our bodies as living sacrifices. It says there in that verse, Romans 12, 1, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, it says this is your spiritual act of worship. We are to give our lives to Jesus. Initially in receiving the gospel, we give our lives to him, and then continually, day by day, moment by moment, we give our lives to Jesus and worship him. So what will it be for you Will you give your life to Jesus and continually live for him for the purpose he created you for? Pray with me. God, thank you for revealing yourself to us. Thank you that you have not left us to grope around in the darkness and wonder why we're here. Thank you that you have answered those most basic questions for us of who am I and why am I here? God, who we are is people created by you and why we are here is for you. And I pray that we would live for you. Lord, I pray if there's anybody today who's wondering if they've missed out on their life's purpose so far and wants to give their life to you, Lord, we just come before you right now and say we give our lives to you, God. And for those of us that have been walking with you for a while, God, we want to renew that commitment and walk with you day by day, that we might continue to grow in the gospel, that we might share our faith with others. And God, through it all, may we glorify, worship, praise, and thank you, for you are worthy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.